Hello, Brain Buddies. You're listening to Brains Out Loud, where we talk about important topics surrounding mental health from our personal life to our work life and everywhere in between. Our goal is that through these conversations, we can help others prioritize mental health on the same level as physical health. We have an exciting episode today with Savannah. You might know her as the Blissful Bohemian. Savannah, thank you so much for being here. Can you tell us a little bit more about yourself? Thank you for having me. The thing that stands out when someone says, tell me about yourself is kind of the work that I do and how I got here. That's pretty much like people are like, how did you get to doing something like that? Um, I am 26. I used to be a chemical engineer. Somewhere in there, I got really sick and I got the healer's call. If you know what that is, maybe we can get into that a bit later, but um, I am now a baby shaman. I am still in training. I'm training in the Peruvian Caro tradition. So I am an engineer turned shaman and now spiritual business owner, content creator, uh, transformational life coach. That's what I'm doing now. Awesome. That is great. So we love your content and the way that you help people heal their anxiety. How did you get into this? How did you get started? You mentioned you're a healer now, but what was that journey like? First off, the helping people with anxiety part. I struggled with anxiety and panic attack and obsessiveness for like eight to nine years. I was diagnosed because I was hospitalized for a panic attack. I thought I was having a heart attack because I have heart problems. And I was like, this is it. This is when I die. <laughs> um, but they were like, they gave me a Xanax and they were just like, you're fine. I was like, wow. And that's kind of where my journey with anxiety started. And um, that anxiety, along with societal conditioning and being the oldest and having a lot of expectation of, on me, I got to living my life just how I thought it had to, it like had to be this way in order for me to be accepted, approved by my parents, for people to like me, for people to want to be my friend. Basically, like I had to do all these things and check off the like grocery list that some people think life is um, to be loved. That's what I thought I had to be doing. Um, but at the, you know, I got... I had the, the job, the car, the house, the relationship. I had like everything on paper, but I was, my anxiety was like the worst it had ever been. It was like probably almost daily panic attacks. I was doing really nothing to take care of my mental or spiritual health. But I went through a bit of what we call in the spiritual community, uh, dark night of the soul. I had about two years of that. And that's when my anxiety was just absolutely awful. And that's, I got chronically ill. My hair was falling out and I knew that I needed to make a change. And this is kind of like congruent with what I said about getting the healers call. Um, so every person who steps into a line of healing. So it could be anything. It could be massage therapist. You could be a Reiki master. You could be like, there's so many different modalities on all different dimensions, but the, fir the first call when you get called to do work where you're helping heal other people is one where you have to heal yourself. Like you cannot ignore it anymore. And for me, anxiety was like the thing that was again, making me sick, making my hair fall out. Like my skin was gray. I was incredibly unhappy. I was gaining weight. Um, so by learning how to dig myself out of that hole, I can now share those methods and experiences with other 
people. So that's kind of whatever you really, as a healer, like whatever you suffer with that first step of being a healer again, is you digging yourself out of the hole and then showing others and helping others do the same. That's kind of like what you end up doing in general. So because anxiety has always been one of my biggest demons and was at that time, uh, that's what I know the most about. It's what I have the most experience with. And that's what I'm then very qualified to help other people with. Yeah. Now you can take your personal experiences and help give other people advice. So you had to do some self-healing to get to this point. What did you do? What helped you? And, you know, you, you talk about 10 years ago, this starting. So I'm sure there's been a lot that's gone into your recovery. Well, I tried to ignore it for a very long time. (laughs) And, um, I think we all know that that doesn't work try to, uh, I definitely struggled with a bit of alcoholism. I drank every single weekend. Like I binge drank every weekend for like six years, probably maybe seven years. And now I like, I'll have wine a few times a year, like very, very different. Um, so I tried to run from it. I tried to hide and mask it all with things like people, friends, relationships, jobs, money, uh, shopping, meals out, you know what I mean? Just like running, 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 running. But the moment that I turned inward and I was like, all right, so obviously none of this is working. I hate my life. I hate everything that I've created. Um, So let me actually do something about that. And really the only way that I was figuring out by trial and error to do that is to actually work on myself and give myself space to sit and and breathe and not have to distract myself or be around other people all the time and and be alone for once so the if you find yourself you're like my anxiety is so bad I have no idea what to do about it there's an and I'm not, I'm not anti-medication at all, but um, many, many anxiety medications are very symptom helping and not really root cause helping. So if you find yourself in this circumstance, the best bet that you have is to just be alone and start a meditation practice because anxiety lives in the mind. And when you meditate, you are separating the self from the mind. And in this, you can see that your anxiety is not you and that you don't have to identify with it, even if it does give you a lot of problems. Um, so, and the, and it's so, it's so funny because we run from that like existential dread all day long, but the moment that you sit with it, you sit in five minutes of meditation, it changes. Yeah, definitely. Meditation seems to have helped you a lot. And you mentioned initially getting diagnosed from the physical symptoms. You thought you were having a heart attack. So I'm sure that you were seen by, you know, regular doctors. What was their plan of action? You mentioned medication versus holistic meditation um, as treatment. So how do you feel about that? What was the doctor's approach and what worked best for you? Um, What was prescribed to me, which I never took, was Lexapro and Xanax. So Lexapro to change my brain chemistry over time and to, and then to just kind of like take the edge off of things. I instead, what I do now, cause I still, anxiety is very much a nervous system disorder more than like, and then it, 
it ripples into all the parts of you, right? Like nervous system, maybe you have a tight jaw, you have tight shoulders. Um, mentally, maybe you have like intrusive thoughts, obsessive thoughts. Um, and then spiritually, maybe you are just completely like, don't even remember what peace feels like. Maybe the peace you once felt in childhood, you can't even conceptualize of it. Um, so that is what was prescribed to me. I never ended up taking them because I just felt like it was wrong. Not that it's wrong, but for me, it just didn't feel like the right thing to do. Um, I have I have taken Xanax a couple of times and it does take the edge off, but not more than some CBD tincture. Right. Not more than CBD. Um, so I currently, if I am just having a day and my nerves are like fried, I have a CBD vape pen as well as tincture. I have gummies. I have all kinds of CBD stuff. I'm, I'm in Denver, Colorado. So uh, <laughs> I could walk to the store and get it if I want. Um, and then for just general everyday maintenance and care, that's where I have all of my quote unquote spiritual practices and those help absolutely the most. Meditation, breath work, yoga, um, I would have to say journaling. Those are probably my top four. And then also because of my modality shamanism, just going outside and putting your feet on the earth electrically grounds you, getting some sunshine gives you some serotonin. There's a lot of tricks at my arsenal now that are just so much more holistic and natural and feel better and work immediately. And then you do them over time and your anxiety just kind of diminishes. Like I said, I'm at maybe 10% of what I used to be on a daily basis. And that's probably even on like a medium to bad day. Wow. That's great that you've been able to decrease it so much. And it seems like the spiritual practices are an integral part of that. So what do those spiritual practices look like and what can our viewers, you know, implement in their own life that has worked for you? So in the morning, I work a lot with my chronotype, which I think is really important for mental health and productivity. And that's my natural circadian rhythm. So I work best in the morning and in the evening. So in the middle of the day, I'm going to the gym, I'm taking a nap, I'm meditating. So in the morning, I will do the more like cognitively involved practices. So this is when I'm journaling. I'm writing out all of the things I've been feeling and to see it on paper and to actually have to articulate it makes you inspect it in a whole new way. It's an incredible tool, just writing out like, this is what my anxiety has been telling me. And then you see it on paper and you're like, that's ridiculous. And not to judge or like gaslight myself, but to know the truth of like what my mind is telling me is not actually true. Um, so journaling, and then I will do some positive affirmations, and I will do some gratitude. If you want me to get real personal with it, I actually have. Um, so, for example, this morning, I wrote, I attract everything I need for my mission. That's one of like my positive affirmations. And so positive affirmations, gratitude, journaling. I'll do an Oracle card pull. I have way too many decks at this point. And that just kind of gives me some food for thought to um, think about today. I just got sent this. How cute. It's a little card holder. Oh, I, I love that. Desk so I can look at it all day. So this is the card I pulled today. And it's about initiation, which definitely lines up with what I'm going through right now. And 
on a more spiritual note, many people believe that this is kind of another way just to connect with the universe and get messages that you need. For me, that's always true, whatever I pull. And it's obviously very subjective, um, but, and you see what everyone like in the mind sees what they wanna see, but I can pull some wisdom and some food for thought for the day. And maybe I will journal on that if it really hits home. And then I will read, I read, I guess you could call it a self-help book. And I don't always get to all of these every day. This is like, if I'm, have time and I feel like it because I don't want to force it. I just want to do what makes me feel better. You know, I don't want to judge myself while I'm doing these things. Um, but this is like the book, a book about worth, about self-worth. So I'll read a few pages of that. And then, so that's kind of what I'm doing in the morning to kind of ground out my energy and um, get myself in a positive mindset for the day and then I'll do some of my business work and then I'll go for a workout I'll come back shower and this is when I'm going to meditate I'll do any ritual stuff that I have a shamanism that's a bit more esoteric maybe not quite in your niche but I can talk about it if you want um, I'll go outside and at the gym I'll do some yoga and that just keeps this routine I mean it keeps me solid <laughs> it really does it seems like it all ties together too. And I think it's important to start at the beginning of your day. So do you just wake up and you dive right into this stuff? Oh yeah, I, I try sometimes. I Sometimes I wake up really groggy, um, <laughs> but I try to, the first thing that I'm putting in my brain in the morning, maybe be from the self-worth book instead of Instagram on my phone. I also try to not use my phone with the first hour before waking up and the last hour of going to bed. Uh, I also have an app on my phone called Flora where you grow a tree. Let's say you set a timer for an hour and you can't leave the app or else the tree dies, which I really like. <laughs> for me, I'm just like, no, can't kill the tree. So if I ever feel like I'm doom scrolling, but I'm also like, I can't escape it, then I will turn on Flora and just, I kind of like lock myself out of my phone that way. Um, so watching my phone usage is huge, especially as someone on social media. Definitely. It's hard to manage because we can't go without it, but I think that's a great motivator. The Flora app, I'll have to check that out. So let's talk more about the healing. What type of healing do you do? Do sound healing. I can actually, if you want, I can do a tiny bit right now. Yes, please. All right. This is a 432 Hertz uh, quartz crystal singing bowl. do the sound healing is that something that you set time aside to do and you just kind of listen to it and do you do breath work with it 
Um, you could do breath work it with bread. Wow. Okay. Breath work with it. But uh, mostly I share it in my subscription, my monthly subscription, the portal. There's like recordings of the bowls there. I have 10 singing bowls and five other like hippie instruments, like a kalimba. But in the portal we do which is my subscription membership. We do uh, full moon and new moon ceremonies where I'll do some sound healing. I do it a lot on Instagram reels. Um, and I can talk the whole podcast about sound healing. So let me not say that, but that is one of the things that I do. Um, and then energy healing, that's very esoteric and woo woo. And those are the main, I also have a lot of herbs. I'm pretty, I'm pretty knowledgeable about herbs and oils. Um, and for me with like such a big science background and being so analytical, but also c completely, um, you know, I'm as woo as they get, <laughs> I see both sides, you know, like, um, for example, like an herb that might be calming might also have other like characteristics um for example lavender is very calming to the body but then it will also like have certain more like personality qualities does that make sense like yeah, a rose definitely. is for love and it's I like how that. is the rose for love because <laughs> that's what it there's all like herbs and crystals and oils all like correspond to different qualities not just physically but spiritually so I do a lot of that as well um I mean I'm pretty eclectic with everything but I am training training in it the Peruvian Caro shamanic tradition right now tell us more about that what is that tradition like and how did you get involved okay so the, and this is like three plus years of training. I'm still in my first year. Cause I was like, all right, I'm so eclectic and all over the place. Let me, let me do something like official. Um, so it, the tradition and the lineage is of the Incans actually. So the Incans were told by um, aliens, higher dimensional beings to go into the mountains to preserve their culture and healing. And right as they did, that's when the conquistadors kind of swept their area. So they were just chilling out and living in the mountains for hundreds of years. And they only came out maybe like 60 years ago. And they were wearing like super old, like clothing. When I say old, I don't mean like tarnished or ripped, but more like you know, things we haven't seen for hundreds of years. And so the Caro people, it's like Q apostrophe E-R-O, they speak a language called Quechua and they are the direct descendants of the Incans. So their type of healing and shamanism is what I'm training in. And they are in Peru. And shamanism is kind of like, it's very nature-based. It's, it's open, but it's not an open practice, but it's very open. There's no rules. There's only guidelines. Um, heavily involved with um, the earth or as we call the Pachamama, like Gaia is another word similar to Pachamama. Um, there's like spirit animals, there's um, energy healing as well as like herbal healing. It's, a, it's kind of a lot, but it's the modality that it's probably closest to is 
that, that most people know about is Drew, like Druids. If you kind of think of what a Druid is, it's like a Celtic, like forest healer. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. <laughs> so what's that training like? How are, do you go somewhere for the training or do you have like a mentor that you work with? Um, so there is like a, someone who is like fully in it. We call a Mesa carrier and they are giving the healing. So right now I'm still receiving my nine rites of passage. And this is like a very big thing involved in it. This is my pie stone and I can get into it. This is a, the pie stone forms a toroidal field, just like the electromagnetic field of the heart. Have you ever seen that? How it looks like a donut in all directions around you. Um, so yeah, right now I'm still getting rights. Um, and this is, I don't want to go out of your niche here because uh, I will go as woo-woo as there is. You don't even know. Um, but a lot of it is self-healing. A lot of the training is self-healing. Like I said, that's kind of like the first part and maybe even the second, third, up to like 75% of your training as a healer is self-healing. Because, you know, how could you be a channel for healing if your own bullshit is still getting in the way? Right. No, that makes total sense. It allows you to then be able to help others because then you can speak from personal experience. Mm -hmm. Awesome. So tell us more about alignment calls. What is an alignment call? I know that you offer these through your page. Um, what is that experience like? At time of recording, I still have two spots open. Might not by the end of, by the time this comes out in a couple of weeks, but um, those are to see if we are a good match for working one-on-one -on -one together. So yesterday I opened up five spots, three of them are filled and that's kind of what's going on there. Awesome. So then you work with people one-on-one -on, -one on their personal mm -hmm. healing. Um, I know you also have your platform. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Are you talking about the portal? Yes, the portal. Okay. Um, so the portal today is the 6th of, yeah, 6th of April. The portal only launched February 1st. So she's still a newborn. She's only Congrats. been out two months. Thank you. Um, at time of recording, we have, last I checked, we have about 80 active users, which is really awesome. Uh, it's been crazy the amount of infrastructure we've put into it. And now it has its own Instagram, but she is alive and well. And basically the portal is what I created for the people that I had to turn down because they were unable to afford the energetic exchange to work with me one-on-one. -on -one. Um, which also the space is very limited for that. I can only like take, cause when I take someone one-on-one, -on -one, like you are my baby, you are under my wing. I'm teaching you everything and working with you like every day. But this is kind of how I wanted to make my work much more accessible. And I also wanted to make a place for empaths to one, feel like they belong because every empath out there thinks that they're broken when they're not, they're just different. They have a gift. They're not caring for their, and they're not doing their energetic hygiene and they think they're broken. A lot of them think that they're mentally ill. I've gotten this so many times from people that I've worked with be like, I thought I like was mentally ill, but I was really just not caring for my energy properly as an empath, as someone who's very sensitive. Um, so I wanted to create a place where they could belong and not just that, but train up 
in whatever modality they wanted to go into. So it's my belief that all anxious empaths are meant to be empowered healers. And I wanted to create a space for, for them to be able to do that. So it's in four parts. There's a community on the Instagram, but also a private community on Discord. There's live classes every single night. It's me and five other resident instructors. <clears throat> so for example, tonight we have Sand Painting for Manifestation by Lauren, who's our resident shaman. She is in my lineage. She's fully, full Mesa carrier, fully trained. Uh, tomorrow we have Psychic Training. We have Chakras 101 on Thursday. We have Reiki Healing on Friday. Um, and then on Sunday, we'll do a new moon in Aries ceremony. The Monday after that, we have Mother Wound Healing. And last night I taught mastering the ego. So there's so many different things for you to dabble in and show up to live and you can see the recording. In addition to all this, there's also all of the courses I've ever made, like Anxious to Zen, which takes about six weeks, and Past Survival Guide, which teaches you how to take care of your energetic, how to do that energetic hygiene. And then the fourth section is all healing and music. So we have a resident binaural beat musician and we have a resident guided meditation musician. So we've got those pumping out all the time. And also that is where I'm doing my sound healing recording. So there is just everything and um, it's free the first seven days to make sure it's for you and that it resonates with you and that you're gonna use it. And then after that, it's only 22, 22 a month, $22, 22 cents. Well, that's super reasonable. And it seems like you have a team of people who have various offerings. So definitely worth a shot. And I think anyone listening, you should definitely check that out. Yeah, it's, it's awesome. Right now she's a new newborn, but we have a lot of dreams for her. I want her to be like the gold standard for empaths, baby empaths. It should be. Can you talk more about what an empath is? Because we hear that term a lot but I would love to hear your definition. Yeah. Um, my definition of what an empath is, is someone who has a natural gift of clairsentience, which is a, and most people, most empaths have no idea that they have this. They have no concept of what it is. They think everybody is like this and they, they just must be broken somehow, maybe mentally. <clears throat> but the gift of clairsentience is, have you ever heard of clairvoyance? This is like psychic seeing. Clairsentience is psychic feeling. So if, you've, if you're an empath, then you will walk into a room and you can tell that the energy is off. And everybody has this to a degree, but um, empaths are especially gifted in this area to a fault. And it can be incredibly overwhelming because many times they can't differentiate their energy from other people's energy. There can be a lot of codependence. There can be a lot of relationships with narcissists who are kind of like feeding off them energetically because they just, they're big people pleasers. And I could talk about this all day, but basically the definition is someone who is gifted in clairsentience, the ability to, of extra feeling. So we can sense people's feelings just as our own. <laughs> if somebody on the bus sits next to me and they're depressed, I will feel their depression in my body as my own. And it's a lot. Wow. Yeah, but a this is a gift. This is a gift. It's, it's, you know, think about that. It's like, wow, okay. My whole afternoon is kind of ruined. Cause I feel like I'm going to throw up and cry for no reason. And so you can see how we, one might perceive that as like a mood instability. 
Um, and sometimes that is the case, but for some people, but this is a gift in that when someone comes to me for healing, I already know exactly what to do. Wow. Yep. And you can feel it. Mm -hmm. Wow. That's incredible. And I'm sure that really resonates with people. The way that you can kind of anticipate what they're going through already is super special. Mm -hmm. Definitely. So how does neurodivergence play a role in all of this in your intuitions and the things that you feel? Do you feel like it's related? I definitely feel like it's related. And I could, I can go down the rabbit hole of like my different theories. Um, so I am diagnosed autistic. Uh, I don't really talk about that a lot because it's not very important and people have their own ideas of what that means. Um, but what it actually means is that I just have a different neurotype, just like people who have Tourette's, dyslexia, um, ADHD, even bipolar and um, borderline personality kind of get into this idea this realm of neurodivergence where it's a lot of people think when you say like autism spectrum, they think like, okay, everybody's here. And if you get past this point, then you're autistic. And if you're before that, then you're not. And it's not like that at all. It's really like complete separate spheres. Like you have neurotypical brains and then neurodivergent brains. And then within that is the spectrum. Does that make sense? Yeah. So I've gone through a lot of therapy to be as um, neurotypical seeming as I am right now. It was not always like that. I was very uh, ridiculed and struggled a lot socially as a child and teenager, like big time, big, big time. And I've talked about that on my platform a lot about social rejection trauma. Um, and I do find, so going, leaving that, that back in, people who follow me on in Instagram are mostly empaths because my tagline says I help empaths heal their anxiety and own their divinity so someone comes to my page they like my healing work with the sound bowls and they're like oh I'm an empath follow and that's kind of who's in the community which I love and that's who I'm catering to so I love that too so when I put out things talking about social rejection I get a lot of a lot of hit back and those are coming from empaths. So, and, and in my personal, in the portal community, we've talked a lot about how most of us there are autistic, ADHD, um, something in that realm. And when I say most, I mean a lot of the very, very fundamental key um, active members, people who are on every single day, they resonate highly with their um, empathic abilities or clairsentience gift with that being because of, or, you know, chicken egg situation with their neurodivergence. So I, I very much think that, I mean, let's think about it this way. As an autistic person, I am very sensitive, like, sensory wise like fluorescent lights could kill me. <laughs> like I'm convinced that if you put me in a, like, white room with fluorescent lighting like I couldn't do anything against you I would just be crippled um and that sensitivity is at, in some ways a disability in terms of that but also that sensory sensitivity allows me to read energy does that make sense yeah that's amazing so I I definitely think that um the gift of clairsentience 
and, and as you develop a get into other forms of knowing stuff and I can talk about like psychic ability all day and like my scientific beliefs behind it as well I mean just to put it in a in a nutshell we are in one quantum field the difference between me and this microphone right now is in my perception but really it's all just molecules next to molecules next to molecules made up of all the same stardust in in the what is it, 118 elements so the idea of being able to tap into knowledge or feeling or whatever seeing if you will that we shouldn't have but can access makes a lot of sense to me when you think about the idea of collective consciousness and that's that's a whole other rabbit hole but Yes, I do heavily think that um, neurodivergency and being gifted psychically is very, very, very connected. That has always been my experience. I've talked to hundreds of people who's been their experience as well. That makes sense. And you talked a little bit about the social rejection. What was that like? And why do you think it resonates with so many people? You said you get tons of hits when you talk about that. So clearly it's hitting home. Uh, Neuro... I said that I get a lot of hits back when we were talking about psychic ability and neurodivergence because neurodivergent people are often very, very bullied as children because they are so different. Um, I, growing up, I had no idea why people didn't want to be my friend. I had no idea why they didn't like me. I had no idea why my social advances did not go over well until I was old enough, maybe like 15, 16, 17, <clears throat> to start studying psychology, which I have studied a lot of um, studying psychology, starting to notice, um, starting to notice that if I wore makeup, people liked me better. That was a whole thing. Um, before I could really mask well, we call it in um, neurodivergent land, we call it masking when we uh, develop the ability to pretend that we are neurotypical for social acceptance. Um, so I think that, again, a lot of empathic people are also neurodivergent and neurodivergent people are very different and weird as children and usually ostracized because of that. That makes sense. And it shouldn't be that way because it's truly a gift. It's something that should be celebrated. But I'm sure as a child, it's hard to understand that rejection and that's traumatizing in itself. How did you get to a diagnosis? How did you finally get the explanation that like, okay, this is why I am how I am and this is a good thing? Um, how did I get a diagnosis? I went to therapy for the first time. <laughs> I, went to th I went to therapy to work on my anxiety. And the first session, she was like, are you on the spectrum? I was like, what's that? Like, she was like, I think you're on the spectrum. And I was like, what the fuck does that mean? And she was like, we're going to get you evaluated. And I was like, okay. Wow. And then what's treatment? What did the I was 22. Do? 22. Wow. Yeah. It, it goes undiagnosed in girls almost all the time because the autism diagnosis criteria is heavily skewed to boys. That's super and it presents different. It presents completely differently in girls. Wow. Do you think what you went through at 16 from 16 to 22 with the anxiety, do you think that had anything to do with the undiagnosed autism? I mean, if I had gotten a diagnosis at age four, my life would have been completely different. I think I would have not even, I would have been accommodated for. And I don't know that anxiety would have developed to the degree that it did. Wow. 
yeah, yeah it's, it's very it's very common undiagnosed until early 20s with females <clears throat> yeah early intervention is so important with any type of mental disorder or any type of spectrum that you could be on but I think at least things are are moving in a better direction now but I'm sure that when you grew up it was kind of like push them through the school system you know if they can perform academically then they're fine I mean by the time I mean I was a full adult I had already graduated college by this point you know I had already survived through high school and college and the beginning of an engineering career on my own so I'm I'm a very intelligent person and that's why I think I was able to figure out how to be a person and how to like like get people to like me and then alongside that have the clairsentience so it kind of that also helped me uh, navigate um, I have been looking into like, should I do this? Should I, should I do now that I'm 26 and I have the time and money, should I get into cognitive uh, behavioral therapy or anything for that? And it's like, I can, and I'm trying to, I'm actively trying to find a therapist here in Denver, but I don't know. I think I'd do pretty good. I'm pretty at peace with myself. I run my own business, which is like an autist dream is to work from home on your own business. I'd say at this point, I've through study, intensely studying psychology, through um, reading a lot online on how to cope better, how to accommodate better, like to the grocery store, I'm always wearing sound canceling headphones. The first time that I did that, and also the first time I put on blue light glasses, it's like, where have you been all my life? <laughs> I didn't even know that I needed this. Um, I've had meltdowns, I've had freakouts, I've had everything. Um, but it, not having to work a nine to five job for a corporation is huge for me. No, that's great. Yeah. You found the things that work for you. And it's not even about coping or living a fulfilling life, despite it's just like you are who you are and you're using that to turn it into passion. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm, I would say definitely right now and for the last year, it's been the most fulfilling time in my life because I'm me and I know why I'm like this <laughs> and I accommodate for it and I live with it and I run my schedule all day, every day. So I'm, I am chilling. That's awesome. It takes a while to kind of find your niche and then, you know, running your own business. How do you manage your day to day? I know you have a certain schedule for self-care and some of the spirituality spirituality that happens in the morning but how do you manage to get everything done when you're your own boss I know a lot of people struggle sometimes with time management well first off I work with my natural rhythm like we talked in the beginning I work with my chronotype when my body is hormonally and energetically peaking is when I'm working and when it's at a low is when I'm resting and taking time for myself so I also work with my menstrual cycle. So I'm not going to schedule a very heavy week when I am bleeding, but when I'm ovulating, which is like the peak testosterone, peak energy, that's when I'm going to go kind of ham with it. So first off, I work with my laws of rhythm. Um, and then beyond that, I keep a schedule. So I keep a calendar. So Sunday afternoons for the next week, the next Monday through Sunday, I will go into where I keep my calendar and I will block out. A lot of people don't believe me when I say that I'm autistic, but if you saw like the way that I run this, it's kind of like 
it's a lot. It's a lot. I'm also a Virgo. So it's very, um, so basically I block out time for everything that I need to get done in the week. And then I also will block out time for self-care for the gym, for cooking in the evening. I love cooking, um, for meditation, everything that I'm doing in the week, there's a block for it. Even if it's resting, even like, for example, this Saturday, like from 10 AM to 5 PM, I just have like, do nothing. (laughs) <laughs> it literally says like do nothing yes you've got to so schedule like it free time so that really um as a full-time entrepreneur business owner and uh someone who needs a lot of self-care that's how I do it is you got to block out the time and give yourself like double the amount of time that you think you're gonna need that's great advice So how do you track those laws of rhythm? Is it the beginning of the week when you're setting up kind of your schedule and blocking out those time slots or do you write that? Is that journaling? So the chronotype is always the same. There's four different chronotypes. I'm a bear. And that means I like to wake up with the sun and I like to go to bed a few hours after it sets. I'm energetic in the morning. I hit another stride at about, so but my energy periods are about from 9 a.m. to noon and then from 4 p.m. to 7. So then we have that gap there, 12 to 4. That's when I'm going to the gym, meditating. I might take a nap. I'll go outside. So very, very different from your 9 to 5 approach, right? Because if I try to work through that, I'm not going to get a lot done and I'm just going to get frustrated and I'm going to be tired. Yeah. So finding out your natural circadian rhythm. And then if you are someone who has a menstrual cycle, um, working with that. So I know where I'm at. So if I'm like, okay, my period is going to start next week. Let me not make my, when I go to put my calendar, let me make it even longer blocks to complete things. And maybe we have like an afternoon cry session I know that if you saw like the, the I notes that I have and the calendars I keep and the logs <laughs> that I keep, like you would be like, okay, now I believe you that you're autistic. Cause it's a lot. And it's how I function is I have like, I'm, it's like a mechanism. So that's, and then, yeah, those are pretty much the two rhythms that I go off of. That's awesome. It seems like you found what works for you and you put that first. That's like your main priority, just taking care of yourself. Mm-hmm. Awesome. So what's next for you? Ooh, next is right now I'm, I'm just taking clients. I take clients twice a year for 16 weeks, four months. Um, I'm, I'm looking at my goals right now. I'm continuing to build Instagram. I'm getting a lot of brand work, which is fun and nice. I get to be creative. Um, and building the portal though, building the portal is one of, is a big, big thing right now. I'm working, um, by the time that this launches, I might have announced this already, but, um, come June 1st, we're going to move off of Kajabi and onto an app. That's so exciting. So are you building that app? Wow. That's fantastic. And it's already grown so much, 80 people on the platform. And I'm sure that that's only going to multiply by June. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. I'm already looking into um, some marketers that I want. I am so bad at marketing. Oh my gosh. I, that took me, that's what put this behind for so long. Um, Cause I just, I didn't realize that what motivates neurotypical people is not what motivates me. 
to want something. Right. And I had no idea for the longest time, but well, for someone who claims to be bad at marketing, you're doing pretty well with your Instagram and all your, content. well, and now I, I did hire a coach and I paid a pretty penny and I figured it out. So <laughs> it's worth but, it. <laughs> yeah. Now I'm getting it. I'm getting awesome. it, but I struggled with that for a long time. Well, keep going with it because I think you're helping a lot of people. And I know that your content resonates with me and I wouldn't even say that I'm spiritual, but it's kind of opening that door for me. And I think that's really special. And it's not something that people are talking about. It's not something that people are doing in the mental health space as much. Um, and it's so much more meaningful than just giving tips. I'm glad to hear that about you. <laughs> yeah. I mean, neglecting the mental and spirit go like hand in hand. Like if your spirit, I, I like to look at it this way, um, the mind as like our ego self. This is like, I'm a girl, I have brown hair, I struggle with anxiety. And then you have your spirit, which is a bit more, the, the real you, the highest you, if you've ever heard of like highest self. And these two are these two are always like informing you, kind of like uh, angel and devil at your shoulder. So if you're only really caring to this that and not this, then you're kind of just making this one shut up instead of also invoking the angel on your shoulder to be like, you know, supported, nicer, whatever. Does right. that make sense? Yeah, your best self more informs who you are and what life kind of means to you, like at your core. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Awesome. That's well, thank you great. so much for coming on today. And thank you for shedding light on neurodivergence and anxiety and all of these topics that aren't discussed enough and especially providing a lot of different solutions like the sound healing and your portal. Um, and I look forward to, you know, watching it grow and keep going with what you're doing and keep being open and vulnerable because we need, we need this in the space. Yeah. Now more than ever with the panorama. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So Savannah, where can people find you? You can find me at Instagram at blissful X Bohemian, just the letter X. You in my bio, there is a link to the portal at the portal 1111. Um, if you want to work with me one-on-one -on -one, link is in the blissful X Bohemian Instagram. If you want to join the portal link is in at the portal 1111 Instagram. Awesome. Check her out guys. Thank you again, Savannah. This was an episode of Brains Out Loud podcast by Mental Health Global Network, mhgn.org. Follow us at Mental Health Global Network. Thanks for prioritizing mental health and see you next time.